You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Coming to you live from the banks of the Cuyahoga and from the friendly confines of adcom, it's The A-Game. If you're turning, tuning in for the first time, thank you. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We're at Joel. Uh, the Adcom Group. Yeah, he's good at that. <laughs> and if you do like the show, which I'm, I, especially with this panel today, I'm sure you will, please subscribe. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Get us sent to you on a weekly basis. We'll do our best to make the content relevant. So our Sherpa, our audio Sherpa, Jim Ganser, is taking a well-deserved day off. And in his place, I will be, uh, I will be leading the proverbial flock, at least down the road that I've chosen for this week. <laughs> so with us, our esteemed panel, as always on my left, our director of PR and brand advocacy, Joel Hammond. This is going to be a great show. Thanks, Jeff. You know Joel's middle name is Karen? It's not. That's okay. Just making sure people are paying attention. Yeah, just paying attention. And across from me, it, interestingly enough, when this man is on our show, our, our ratings, our number of downloads seem to spike for some reason. SVP of marketing strategy, Kevin Griffin. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's Friday, and I like the look. Thank you polo, you. polo shirt on and a scarf. Oh, sure. Uh, it's it's Friday afternoon. Yeah. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> the week's done, huh? Yes. All right, and this is Jeff Culleton, VP of Digital Strategy. So I want to go with a little bit of a theme today on the show. I think it's very easy uh, for us to do a Super Bowl wrap-up. It's too easy, in fact. We're too good for that. So uh, Are we? Well, maybe not too good, but we're good. So the theme today is going to be brand voice and brand health. We're going to hit it from a couple of different aspects. First, I will... I like how you've tied these two things together. Hmm. Thanks, man. Well done. Synthesis. (laughs) Symmetry. Synthesis. We've highlighted a couple of stories this week. Yes, one about the Super Bowl because, well, it's just fun to talk about. And Kevin's a former NFL executive, so it's fun to get his perspective. Uh, But the, the next is going to be about the internet going cookie-less, or at least Chrome going cookie-less in 2022 and what that's going to do for, you know, the position that puts us in to lead our clients, uh, but really what's, you know, what kinds of data, what kinds of research methods are going to be important uh, and are going to help us kind of point the way that cookies do now, probably help us point the way better than, frankly, cookies do now. No. Uh, You don't think so? You think? I think we get a lot... Oh man, you want you you're trying to take well, my, you're trying to take my hot takes right out. No, let's no wait. Let's no, save no, it. No, right. let's save. Okay, it. I'm right. going to save it. So the first one, man, Super Bowl. I, Joel, I think we're going to have to go quality over quantity, All right. and I think we're going to have to get better, and I think people are going to have to get better and more comfortable with quality over quantity. Okay, you have a million email subscribers, but only a hundred thousand of them ever engage with you. What are you doing talking to the other nine hundred thousand? Yeah, but aren't, aren't you more? Aren't, aren't Save you? that hot take, Joel. We'll get to it next. <laughs> <laughs> next on the A game. Um, so first, Kev, I'm going to direct this for you in the Super Bowl. One of the articles we were looking at this week specifically talks about uh, the level of poignancy in a lot of the ads this year. Now, not to say that there's not the goofball stuff and the you know the Procter and Gamble stuff, but there's you know the the Olay ad um, about making space for women, the Google ad, which I got like if I watch that thing anymore, I'm going to be just shattered inside. Um, but I think that this article is getting to the fact that poignancy and authenticity were um, were a big part of a lot of the winners 
uh, and a, little, a big part of the strategy for uh, a lot of the Super Bowl advertisers this year. So first, what was your favorite? Second, talk to me about the the tone of Super Bowl ads, what you think is effective. Um, go. So my favorite ad doesn't necessarily stack up into that uh, that poignancy. Doesn't, doesn't have to. Point, uh, but I, I really did like the uh, the the Rocket Mortgage ad mm. uh, with uh, Jason Momoa. Yes. Momoa, that Momo. was great. Momo, and uh, and it, it freaked me out when he ripped off his arms <laughs> I and then tell his you, man. stomach. And yeah. you know, here's this. And, and my my wife absolutely loves him. Uh, Aquaman is yeah. who he is. And uh, uh, every time. I, I, I think that's Lisa Bonet's husband. It right? is. Yeah. So my wife just loves this guy, but uh, that commercial was so well done. And really I, good. And I, and I thought Rocket Mortgage slash Quicken Loans really owned the Super Bowl from an activation standpoint for a couple of reasons. Number one, that spot was surprising. It was funny. Uh, people of all ages and elk like that show or that that spot, yeah. but uh, but they also did a great job in the lead up of of, uh, of their program called Squares, and you guys may have noticed uh, their contest, uh, which was Rocket Mortgage Squares, and uh, they were giving away you know almost a million dollars, and so I thought they did it. And Joel, you love to um, you love gaming, gambling, <laughs> gaming, and so I, I'm sure you know all about now, it. right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought I thought all in. They did a really, really nice job of both having a, a campaign and activation for for fans leading up to and through the Super Bowl, and then their spot was was ideal. Uh, I thought they did a really, really nice job. I would love to see how many like first party data records Quicken Loans got out of that because well, I am certain as you know, it's it fine. was great. What, what is it? Millions? Million? Yeah, Seven was, digits? Financial? Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, we have we have a nice basis in financial services, and one of the the things that um, Rocket Mortgage is often pointed at uh, is the the single best mortgage experience in the market. And um, from a from an intake perspective, their application process is I would say second to none. One of the reasons people point out that it is is it's an in depth process, no matter what you do. I mean, you can't go through an easy no. mortgage. They have a really they have like a ticker basically that leads you along the pathway. Uh, it a wizard would be you know maybe making it too in depth, but they just make it an engaging experience on something that's otherwise pretty painful. What was your favorite? Or your guys' favorite commercials? My favorite um, loved Rocket Mortgage. My favorite was the Cheetos ad, um, and I was surprised to see that not mentioned among. No man, it did not get a it, lot of. Headlines. It did not. I think it, it was expected though for the brand, right? So they were I, so spot on that people. It, it also got swept up. Is it maybe low-hanging fruit? I don't yeah. know. But I, I think mean, it, I think it got swept up. It was solid. It was good. That's a good ad. It I, was a good one. The from from a pure, pure entertainment standpoint, um, and I think everybody, most people are saying that that Bill Murray and Jeep won won the day in terms of at least um, uh, share of voice and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it really did. I think it's a neat ad. The fact that it happened on Groundhog's, Groundhog's day, day. I mean, it just yeah, good symmetry. Good. The yeah. fact that Bill Murray did it, smart like this. Just zany, iconic, can't get a hold of him character. I think it was great. <laughs> the Hyundai ad with Chris Evans and Rachel Dratch. And, oh, God, I, this is why we need to do a video podcast is because people don't see Joel's faces when I'm about to say things <laughs> and how much pain. Come on, let's have yeah, it. He let's discounts have it. how much your pain opinion right away. Yeah. No, no, don't Before dis I even no, say don't, it. Don't discount. Go ahead. I love you anyways. Um, so... That that ad just from a John Krasinski, that ad just from a star power goofiness as we're talking about like Charlie Day in all these Procter and Gamble ads, like same kind of thing. I thought it was funny. Um, 
but then again, I'm maybe not their target audience, but I think what they did do nicely is highlight a relatively irrelevant feature um, and make it feel significant because most people aren't going to let aren't going to feel comfortable letting uh, their car park itself. It happens. There's parallel park features on multiple different cars, but it's still heavily underutilized because people don't trust it. But they made a commercial around it. I found it really interesting that brands they do this every year. But when you have a hundred plus million people watching the game. You have a moment not to talk about, hey, here's my price point or my low entry point as a, as a product. And you really have an opportunity to share with the audience, here's the DNA of our company, or if they want to, right? Yeah. And, and then allow the, allow the audience to say, is that something that aligns with my norms and my values? And, and I, I, wanna, I wanna buy into that. I, I, I anticipated that uh, brands would be much more cautious in this, in this being an election year uh, in in the tone that they would approach and and and, uh, and and I thought there was still some cleverness. I thought there was a, yeah. a lot a lot of wit, uh, but I also thought there was some depth. My favorite all time, two of my favorite all time Super Bowl ads. Uh, you may remember it might almost be ten years ago. There was Like a Girl by Always. Yeah, great ad. That still makes me tear up when I watch that that uh, that spot. Um, that reminded me a lot of some of the stuff that Procter Gamble. I think they had the space make room and space for women, mm-hmm. um, and then. From a cleverness standpoint, I, I still love the Volkswagen and w- the spot when they used uh, uh, Darth Vader and the wireless to start. Uh, yeah. He was using the Force, the, the little kid. Um, those are two of my favorite Super Bowl spots. So I think a range of emotions that you can play with during the Super Bowl. You've got a great audience, um, 100 million people watching. And it really just depends on what you want people to walk away with, the audience to walk away with, understanding your brand. We oftentimes use the word authentic, and I would just simply replace that with, do I want to do business with this group because we have like norms and cultural Thank and values? Thank you for doing that. The, yeah. the, the word authentic is so, is has, I, in my eyes, reached buzz status and means nothing anymore. And I don't think people know what it means when they say, be authentic. We have conversations with people about their brand all the time, and it comes down to an inception story. Yeah. And you're like, that's... But is that who you are? Did, did anybody, did any commercial kind of pull the commute, the country together? It felt like a moment of time where you've got 100 million people and there's an opportunity for us to have a conversation about let's all come together. Well, the Budweiser, uh, was, it this, was it Simply American? Or Simply American? Just Americans doing simple things well. I think that was very juxtaposed. They got a lot of buzz on that. They got a lot of buzz leading up. And you, but you also had for the first time a political ad. And so, yeah, you had a number of them. That was, but a national one. That, that is, so I was standing next to somebody at the Super Bowl party I was at and they were like, oh, it's, you know, there's an ad. I'm like, no, 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 stop. That's, you just saw history. You're in the process of watching history. Watch that. And it, it was just interesting because you know, I don't know what the right tone is. I, I think the right tone is different for each brand. I think, you know, a company like Cheetos trying to do something very poignant doesn't work. I think a company like, you know, Old Spice now trying to do something poignant probably doesn't work. But there are those crossover brands who probably can knock it out of the park. Jeep, a couple of years ago, did yeah. very poignant ads this yeah. year completely on the other end of the spectrum. I thought Verizon did a nice job. What was theirs? Theirs was all about how 5G, it wasn't about Verizon. It was a bank shot about how 5G allows and empowers first responders and a lot of other folks who are 
who are, yeah. who are making sacrifice to our country uh, to serve the rest of us. And I thought those were really, really nice bank shop. I, I, I went half, at least half the commercial not knowing who the brand was, mm -hmm. right? I wasn't clear. Yeah. Uh, but I really did appreciate their point. And they didn't use 5G as a selling point for us as consumers, but really rather to empower the folks who have the courage and honor to serve all of us, yeah. that being first responders and military and others. So I thought Verizon uh, should get a, a shout out and kudos for that. So uh, lots of different range of emotions throughout the Super Bowl. I, I, I always look at the Super Bowl as as a, uh, a way to kind of gauge the year in terms of advertising and where's our, our collective mindset as a country. And and uh, without making a political statement, I just think people are really on the on the the little nervous about what's coming down this pipe down the pike in, in 2020 in terms of the political dialogue that we're all going to be uh, bombarded with. I love that uh, that approach, Kevin. You know, mentioned, and I think that goes back to why maybe we saw so many heartfelt yes. commercials, yeah, yeah. right? You look, we're at perhaps the most divisive time in our country's history, and so are these brands um, playing it safe by? promoting some measure of unity um, yeah. with the brands. I like the Bill Murray thing, like it's cute. The smart park thing, like, okay, to me, it's too, it's too easy. Yeah. It's too simple. Yeah. You know, like they, they accomplished their goals. The Hyundai thing got a ton of run mm -hmm. and I'm sure that they can attribute awareness, um, impression, reach, awareness, impression. reach. I am sure they knocked their goals out of the park with Killed that thing. Them. I think it's too easy. I think it's too easy, and I, you know, we talked about like showing like what what your company's all about. Hyundai to me showed that we have enough money to hire these three famous people. That's interesting. Well, you let know? me let me give you another perspective on right. that. People, uh, you talk about it's too easy. You know, people get fired for bad Super Bowl ads. So too easy. Well, they're probably not getting. Yeah. Well, too easy is a mechanism of risk mitigation. Yeah. You know, in our business, you always joke, you know, nobody ever, nobody ever gets fired for, for hiring Saatchi and Saatchi or the biggest of the big. Yes. You don't get fired for that. You don't get fired for running a Super Bowl ad with Iron Man in it. You don't get fired for running a Super Bowl ad with some personalities yeah. in it. So in a year where divisiveness is so high, which actually leads me now that I think about it to my favorite ad, which is a Snickers ad. Oh, when they fed the world. Big hole in the world yeah. opens up. They yeah. drop a huge Snickers bar in. You're a little... <laughs> You're a little angry when you're hungry. Yeah. Like that's but the that's an edgy ad. Like that's that is an environmental uh, ad. Yeah, that is a political a about ad. It, but, I don't yeah. think they got enough credit for that. And if Craig me if I'm wrong, I think this the rapper was still on it the was. Snickers bar. <laughs> that's the world. You gotta figure way down there it's just magma. <laughs> so that thing's it, probably yeah. gonna disintegrate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was highbrow, right? That was like you had to think about that. That was for yeah. that that was a, a moment for uh, all of us to think about um, what that statement means to us personally, but more, more, more importantly, kind of globally for all. all, all. It, it's I still am a, a big proponent of this world needs some heroes, and uh, if they're not coming in the form of of, uh, of unfortunately leaders, political leaders, then it needs to be our, our business community and and, and uh, sports heroes and others who can unify us all, rally us around something important. So. Um, I thought everybody did a relatively good job around the Super Bowl. Ads. I think that's the perfect. Could maybe couldn't put it better myself. Can I can I tell you guys the the two emotions that I felt during the Super Bowl? Can I stop you from? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. You're winning on your squares. <laughs> well, three. That By the way, three. Joel Make ran the pool and won Make the fourth three, quarter, and which it's is literally impossible fishy. to fix the squares pool. Yeah, it's fishy. My first emotion was uh, really, really strong joy when uh, Patrick Mahomes scored the first touchdown of the game. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Why? Because you had a prop bet? 20 to 1. (laughs) And then my second emotion was extreme disappointment when the 49ers blew their lead because somebody in this room was heavy on the 49ers and and was looking good for, what, three quarters. Can I tell you something? Yes. I had a a straight-up bet with Joe Kubik. If if anybody doesn't know, Joe is our our CEO. Straight-up bet for a beer. He chose the 49ers. I chose the Kansas City Chiefs, those world champion Kansas City Chiefs. And, man, did I just get over my skis in talking trash. Really? I mean, I started talking after the first touchdown. And I think the 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 text I got back was still pretty early. <laughs> I'm like, it is a little That's early awesome. for me to be just jumping off the, the high dive at this point. Because mm. I have to make a left turn. Ooh. Oh. Do you mind? By all means. Do I? So a couple of episodes ago that I was on, we talked about brand new products that were released at QSRs and food. Mm. We talked about Popeye's chicken sandwich. Yep. Uh, um, we talked about the Impossible Burger from Burger King. Um, I'm plugging one of our own clients right now, but this is new product called the Papadias from Ooh. Papa John's. And it is a phenomenal product, and it's having some of the same effect that we saw not exactly but having some some of the same positive effect um repositioning the brand driving sales repositioning the offering from from papa john so i would encourage us i should have brought some in wait a second is is a papadilla a pizza quesadilla it's exactly right jeff so there's four different flavors and it's like uh, imagine these italian flatbreads that are folded over together kind of like yoga and we brought them in for the office yesterday or excuse me, on Wednesday, and we took a lot out to different I media folks. But I, one. I always, when I'm on the show, I'm going to have a uh, a food recommendation. So that's my food recommendation for for the day. Get it, PJs. There you go. Um, okay. Now, I mean, we started off contentiously, and then I made you, <laughs> made you pivot midway through a thought. Um, we we talked about this either last week or two weeks ago um, when the news came out that. Uh, third-party cookies are going to go away on Chrome, at least by 2020. I'd be surprised if that isn't uh, something that's mimicked by other popular browsers, uh, Firefox and IE and so on at that point. Um, That being said, one of the things it's going to do is limit the amount of third-party data we're able to lay over our first-party data to create audiences, to create better pictures of who we think uh, we're talking to. So that's that's a privacy uh, thing. It's a GDPR, CPPA. It's, you know, all of these things starting to come to fruition around. Last week, there was a, a call for a national privacy law, which that's interesting enough in a, of itself. But long story short for a marketer is you're going to be looking you're going to be looking, have to be looking at alternative sources of data. You're going to need to be focusing on your first-party data and not so crutched by supplemental third-party data to help us prove our cases and build out our models. So, so, so Jeff, what does that mean? Like, if you're teaching this to a fourth-grade class, <laughs> explain it to me. Explain like, it that way. Like in in the words grade. of Michael Scott, yeah, explain, yeah. It, explain this to me like I'm five. Yeah. So web-based users interact with a site. That site has X number of little tracking tags on them uh, that allow third-party vendors uh, to see what you've done. Those third-party vendors then take that data and attach it to other pieces of data to try and you know culminate an outcome. Right. XYZ did this. Mm-hmm. XYZ did that. Marketers use that information and say, you know, this is the journey 
of a typical customer of mine. Um, uh, this is these are the places that they are. These are the places that I want to hit them, um, so that my awareness tactic or my down funnel tactic has a greater likelihood of uh, connecting with this person. So it's the foundation that's built on targeted advertising. Yeah, targeted digital advertising. How we how for we all find and track a, an IP. What, digital IP. We have what what right now you could refer to as walled gardens with like a Google and a Facebook. They have all this data. And what they do is they open it up. They allow you to kind of plug onto it and then just, you know, extrapolate your own um, user journeys and, and information from there. What this would functionally do is take that garden and wall it. It would not allow those third parties to plug into that data. Um, so advertising becomes more expensive, more difficult, more nuanced, more art so, as opposed to science, or oh, more I, science opposed to art? Interestingly enough, I think we're kind of in a neat place right now as marketers where we get to try and figure that out. Mm -hmm. Early returns, advertising becomes a little bit more difficult um, because you're, you don't have all, you don't in have the digital as much space. data in the digital space, in the digital space. As much data. The article that we have that we'll post um, on the social channels, um, one of the things that it hypothesizes, which I think I'd, uh, I'll post to you, Joel, is other pieces of maybe kind of forgotten about tactics or tactics that aren't weighted as heavily now that are very one-to-one, -one, uh, like a research study or focus group or a lift study, um, are going to start to become more prominent again. We're going to start retreating back to those tactics to, to, to have one-to-one -one relationships. Um, I, first of all, impact-wise, um, from somebody who digs deep in social data every day, um, what do you think the immediate impact is? And also, do, do you think we're going to end up leaning on back on those tactics with more weight? The things that we used to do maybe 10, 15 years ago, or you think we'll just find another digital way around it? Yeah, I mean, I when we when you kind of alluded to this in your intro earlier, I, I presumably with my nonverbals express my skepticism that like <laughs> that like with my nonverbals, you know, the the things you mentioned, you know, brand health and net promoter, like to me, my my humble opinion is that we've been spoiled now with all these. Uh, with this third-party data and and being able to target people based on that, like it's it's so good. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's far more valuable than than you know. Like when you talk about like a brand health study, like if you're doing a focus group of like ten people, that's one thing. You're getting firsthand, you know. But if you're sending a sir, you know, I, I, I think the you know we've been spoiled yeah. by the ability to use third-party data on top of any first-party data our clients have to get so precise in targeting that I think you're going to, you you know, our clients and us, we're going to have to scramble a little bit. And I think we're going to initially suffer until we can figure out a, another digital way to find people, target them, get the right stuff in front of them at, at all times. Because I, I just don't think the past methods are as precise as what we're able to do right now. I'm excited. I mean, you've got to get back to the basics. You're a brand, you're yeah, dying to little brand yeah, marketer. Yeah, so this I, stuff I love you. It. Yeah, I love it. I think it's so, it makes your heart so shine exciting because you have to have both equally you've got to be a great uh, marketer who understands the importance of the digital journey and the customer but you still can't substitute the importance of having a strong foundation around your brand and what is it what's your brand foundation what's your brand strategy how are you using that brand to build your business it's talking constantly to your customers and having a feedback loop I think we have to get back to basics and really, really, truly build brands that matter, 
I'm not sure we have a lot of brands that matter today anymore. I think we have a lot of really smart technical marketers who can find customers who are already ready to engage, by Great the way, point. as opposed to building incredible brands that matter and mean something to our society. Do you know what a microcosm to me of this is, is influencer marketing? So we have, you know, influencer marketing is just, you know, using a celebrity spokesperson for blah, blah, blah. And that celebrity spokesperson did this and had this amount of visibility. Well, now everybody's famous. Sure. Everybody's famous in some capacity, but do they bring value? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think we've had a lot of brands pop up because it's real easy to pop up. It's easy to spin up storage space. It's easy to put a website. It's easy to drop ship things from a warehouse that you don't own. It's easier to do stuff now, but it's also harder to build a company that's going to last 100 years. And it's easier because we see this so often, uh, particularly in the retail space, simply to trade at the lowest price because you've optimized against these audiences as opposed to building a brand that has a premium and you're commanding and, and at the premium price from the consumers yep. and constantly delivering on that experience. That That's what real advertising, branding, marketing, and running a business is about is it's not about the lowest price. And we've all been conditioned to Amazon buying. So we're always looking for the lowest price. It's really truly about building a brand and experience, understand your customers and commanding that premium. That's the whole point of brands. You look like you had something. Yeah, I'm cool with all that. Like I'm, I'm on board with all of that. I still think like, <clears throat> there's, I think there's, to me, there's a difference between building your client's brand up and like establishing that awesome foundation. I think that's extremely important. I'm, there's no, I've got no issue with that. That That's extremely important. Nor should you, Joel. But, no, agreed. That's what I just, I just, I just, just said, said that. that. I just said that. Um, however, you know, from there, you need to be sound and be able to find those people right. that, you know, and so I think that's where some of this stuff comes into play. Like I'm totally on board with, you need the foundation, you need a brand strategy, you need an identity, but then you've got to go out and find like, You've got to go find people. And, and I agree, like, there there certainly seems to be more and more of these companies that, you know, including some locally that, um, high profile locally that haven't been able to sustain themselves, right? Sure. Um, but the ability to pop up, like, I get that. I get that. But, I mean, these things, you you have to find customers. like Efficiently. You, you have your, saying. Digital is allowed sure. to do it in an efficient way. You have your loyal audience, right? But, but. Any any business needs to go find the people that aren't isn't a brand loyalist and Growth. like that's how this Growth. this third party yeah. uh, and 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 digital targeting all that stuff that's where that comes into play like I'm a if I love a certain pizza joint I'm gonna buy that pizza but if I'm the pizza joint I can't just sub, I just can't get by on the guys like Joel me who loves are, me and who yeah. are brand loyalists that's not a, a formula for success you know I I think you in in any growth curve you have an adolescence. And I think the, the digital marketing is at its adolescence point. Like you can just, oh, everybody loves Tommy in high school because Tommy's a great baseball player, but Tommy's, you know, has no substance whatsoever. You stop liking Tommy as much as you get older and he's not well-rounded. We're walking into a spot where you need to be more well-rounded. You need to do everything well. The expectation around a brand, a good brand that's going to be around, is you do everything well. Your user experience is well. Your customer service is well. Your product is dynamite all that kind of stuff. And I think we're coming into the early adulthood of this kind of stuff. That was a great metaphor. Thank yeah. you. And you know what's, what gives me tons of comfort, uh, Jeff, is when I open up a dashboard for one of our digital campaigns and you can see like, hey, 
here's your reach, here's your impressions, here's your, your frequency, here's your ROAS, here's, here's the conversion rate. That just, as, in, from an analytical standpoint, it just gives you a ton of confidence. Like oh. you're like, these are the dollars I spent and here's a return. We you work differently when we have all the data. right in front of you, right? Yep. Now you have to question, do I believe that? So to your point earlier, removing that layer or, or reducing that layer certainly will, will, will create some angst for, for, for a lot of us, but we just got to continue to get smarter to find those new customers that can, and, and those, those paths for growth that Joel was mentioning a bit earlier. Here's, here's the thing that I think is going to make it okay is that it's going to be a uniform playing field. It's not like you can pay to play if you're Procter & Gamble or you're Progressive or you're whomever. The policy, Google can't go to market with a policy that is only good for the biggest of the big. They ca they can't do it. I hope I hope I hope that's true. They would get. I hope it's true too. So, yeah. do I know the answer? No, I don't know yeah. the answer. But they, you know, th they would get crushed mm -hmm. for something like that. In my opinion, it's the joke I always make about Alexa is people always go, you know, I, dude, I think my Alexa speaker is listening to me. And they're like, first of all. You're, it's app. If we found out <laughs> that, that not, without it, without a cue, <laughs> that your Alexa speaker was listening to you, it'd be the biggest class class action suit of all time. Yeah. It would put tobacco to shame. It would put mesothelioma to shame. <laughs> Something's in your house listening to you. It'd be it would be the end of the company. And on the other end, are, is it listening to you? Goddamn yeah, right, it's listening yeah, to you. Absolutely, yeah, that's what it was designed <laughs> to do. It's hundred yeah. percent listening yeah, to you. Absolutely. What it does with that, who yeah, knows? Yeah. But. Uh, I just think it's interesting because you know, we've talked about it a lot on the show is one of the neat things about being us versus being an accountant or an attorney is the fact that our world changes every five years dramatically. And that offers us the ability to be constantly relevant, yeah. to be perpetually modern, to steal a phrase. Yeah. But like, you have to see it now because 2022 will be here before you know it. You know, and we won't be able to, you won't be able to come back two years and say, this is how we can roadmap for it now. Mm -hmm. You got to do it now. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can't be in 2022 and that switch flips and all of a sudden he's like, hey, does somebody have a, a point of view on this? Yeah. And that, I know we're about to wrap, but so how's that conversation with, um, with clients you're working with now and, and, uh, and prospects. How do you have that Luke conversation around, yeah, around the cookie-less world? You know, I always, I think it's funny because, you know, people get very fearful when it gets towards the end. People get very energized when you've got runway. They're like, oh man, how are we gonna, like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna tackle this? Um, so I think right now people are, I don't wanna say indifferent, but people are worried about their day-to-day. -day. Sure, It's sure. not, you know, sure. it's not something that they're, they're, they're going nuts over. And that's 2021 or 2022? 22. Yeah, 22. Um, you know, Google's always good at giving you runway before they, you know, turn off a feature. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. It's certainly something we're starting to put our POVs on right now. Um, you know, partially baking them out here. Like, you know, what do we think about them as we talk through these kind of things? Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's going to be cool, but I think it's a lot of opportunity for us, um, which I, I wrote somewhere earlier today is nobody, um, Nobody fires somebody who constantly strategically leads you. Even if you don't like what they're saying, you go, wow, that, you know, they're, they're always in my face with what I need to be doing sure. next. Sure. And that's our insurance policy, right, yeah. is to be looking ahead. Yeah, we've got to do that for, yeah. uh, for our clients. So it's Friday. Yes, so, uh, you know, this, this table is awash with beverages <laughs> and sugar. 
so it, <laughs> so it feels like as good a time as any to wrap up. So, Kevin, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate this is great. It. Joel, yeah. thank I mean, you, Jeff. always, my friend. I know we kind of, you know, we battle a little bit today. That's okay. But... I like when we battle. Absolutely. Um, you know, just as a constant reminder. That was like Eminem. Uh, that was like uh, B-Rabbit and uh, what's the guy's name? It was a free world? From 8 or... Mile? Yeah. Yeah. That's almost <laughs> exactly like that, how we just battled. <laughs> are, you, are you Eminem or are you the other guy? Oh, what was that guy's name? Papa Doc? Papa, Papa Doc. Doc. Yeah, Papa Doc. Uh, yeah, well, I won, so I guess I'm Bunny Rabbit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week when Joel's Joel. not going to be on the show yeah, anymore. That's right. Um, no, but it, we'll, we'll, we'll post the articles we're talking about. We'll do some hot takes. Um, follow us on our social channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. On there, you will also see the extraordinarily exciting news that the AgCom group is getting a new home. Yeah. Only about a block uh, west of here, but we're going to have some new digs come summertime. Check that article out on cranes. Um, we are super excited about that. No doubt we will be having multiple tours and open houses uh, for anybody who wants to come by and have a little drinky with us, see the new digs. Um, uh, but in the meantime, uh, subscribe, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, and we'll be back next week with uh, with more of Joel and I battling like we're in eight months. <laughs> have All a right. good weekend, everybody. See ya.